0: I'm Vince. And I'm Travis. And we're about to ruin your games and stuff.
1: Travis! Welcome
0: to Undesign. What's up, Trav?
1: Hey, Vince. It's uh, good to talk to you again here on Undesign.
0: That's where we are right now. That is absolutely correct. This is the podcast called Undesign. Welcome. If this is your first episode, you probably didn't pick a great one, but that's all right. We rolled a topic today.
1: I rolled a topic. That's what I do. I roll topics and then we talk about the topics uh, because it's, it's topical time. So I rolled designing to the lowest common denominator. Yep. That sounds mathematical. Um, I'm not really into math. The math is <laughs> plural. Uh huh. So tell me what this actually means. Hopefully, it doesn't actually mean
0: math. Uh, does it, it not. Oh, look, I was a mathlete. I was in the, the math club or whatever, you know, so we're, we're yeah, see, good. I wasn't a
1: mathlete, I was in quiz bowl. I skipped on that mathlete thing. I was a little too cool for
0: that. Uh, I did quiz bowl as well, thank you. Wow, you are uh, a turbo nerd. <laughs> Neato burrito, my friend. So, on
1: Absolutely. to this.
0: On to this. So, designing to the lowest common denominator. This is really a, a very much a game design topic. Like, we're in the full wheelhouse of this show here. So, this is another one of those, like, ultra deep in the weeds nerdy topics so let me see if i can break down what i meant when i think about this topic what i meant by designing to the lowest common denominator is when you write your game when you're writing any kind of game i don't care if it's like a one page thing or you're trying to do some full-on you know role-playing or tabletop game or anything you have to think about what is the lowest sort of common denominator, the persona, of the person that you think is going to enjoy and want to play this game? And then you have to design to that. Okay.
1: That sounds a little loaded. So so are you, the, the lowest common denominator is what? The, the, is, does that mean the worst person who is going to play your game?
0: No, I don't think that's true. Although you can get wrapped up in that. There's a side of that. That is the dark side. And I think I want to talk about both of those. Like, that's a a really good point on it. I think oftentimes when this phrase gets used in common parlance, Mm -hmm. we think of it like a race to the bottom situation, right? Where it's like, um, oh, well, that's just the lowest common denominator, blah, blah, blah. And people sort of say it like looking down on the thing, Mm -hmm. right? Like, meaning it's bad. It's synonymous with bad. Right, <laughs> but but it could also
1: be construed as good though because it's inclusivity, right?
0: Correct, and that's, that's what exactly what I mean. Is.
1: the actual goal is inclusivity, if you if you take out the the snide comment part of it, right? That's exactly um, right. Like I guess designing to the lowest common denominator. Like if you're designing designing a board game to the lowest common denominator, you want to design something that's easy access, like Chutes and Ladders
0: or or um, Candyland, right? If that's your goal, if that's your audience, right? So, if so- the
1: audience, yeah.
0: Yeah, like, let's let's make this really simple, okay? Please do. If you're trying to write a, uh, a Settlers of Catan-like game. Okay. Okay. As we all know, because it says it on the side of the truck that they park outside of Gen Con, the greatest game of our generation, Settlers wow. of Catan. I don't know which they're generation they're talking about, but apparently of <laughs> some generation. Uh, at any rate, if, you're, if that's your goal, if that's the type of game you're trying to write, then you can be fairly esoteric and complex in the way that you roll out the rules, right? You can make your cones of Dunshire, uh, as you and I were talking about Parks and Rec before we went live. Mm-hmm. And, and that's okay, because the people who are interested in it, as you see in the show, right, are the yeah, looking for and the nerds and the people who want intricacies and in detail. So your lowest common denominator there is pretty high, right? Like, it's, it's a high number. But if you're trying to make a Candyland or something that's targeted at children or, or a young audience, right, that you want to have truly mass appeal, mm. then you better make it simplistic, right? You better make sure that the way you're interacting with the rules and the way that the rules are laid out, the language that the game rules use, all of this kind of stuff is fairly simple and straightforward,
1: can you give me an example of a game like an RPG since this is a sort of an RPG podcast, not all the time. We talk about video games and stuff too. Um, but is there an RPG that's, that doesn't design to the lowest common denominator, like an offender of this area where they did a really bad job? You know what I'm saying? Like, like who didn't design to the lowest common denominator and therefore has a game that's, that's almost impossible to access for a lot of people.
0: Uh, sure, sure. Absolutely. Like what's the other end of this? Like, of you course. Know, where's yeah. going wrong at? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you two easy stories, okay? okay. Like, we, we can do this with one game, but sure, I, can, sure. I can do it with hit different me, games, with, too. Hit me,
1: with, hit me with a game to start with, then.
0: Okay, here's here's the one-game example. Uh, early edition Dungeons & Dragons versus fifth edition Dungeons & Dragons.
1: Mm, okay, so early okay. editions,
0: by, by that you mean? Let's call it somewhere, since the early editions aren't demarcated quite as well until we hit sort of second edition, Let's it's somewhere in that early-ish phase. Right, so like
1: from from basic Dungeons and Dragons to Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. That specific range. Yeah,
0: let's call it late seventies to eighty-five. Got it. Okay, because there were so many different sort of dot versions in there. Yep. You know, there's lots of different places that people demarcate changes in the editions. At the
1: semi-releases. Yeah, it was definitely kind of kind of like early access is nowadays. Right. Things was was changing. Yeah.
0: Right, right, because lots of rules were introduced, things were fairly complex, and the game was successful by the standards of what a role-playing game was successful there. It's well known that 1983 was the most successful year in D&D's history until 2001, and now the list of most successful years is like 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, right,
1: 2019. it
0: exploded. Yeah. But at any rate, there were people who enjoyed that, but it never really had true mass appeal. Right. Part of that might have been because of just the the nature of the thing that it was still too nerdy for what people were willing to tolerate in the 80s, which had a different so, sort of So, you think it was
1: too nerdy or, or it was literally just too, too complex.
0: I think it was too complex. I, I do. Now, I don't mean that in a bad way. Because nerdy does, certainly means but. something different now than it did then, too. Absolutely fair. I just mean that, like, you had to be the type of person, the type of young person mm-hmm. as we were who liked getting into the minutiae. Mm-hmm. right um I, there are many people who i know friends that i had that when i introduced them to the game they were like just tell me what to do right, right. they didn't want to mess with it they didn't get into the rules they didn't read it and they would like tolerate a game but they were never going to be zealous advocates of it right mm-hmm. when you look at something like fifth edition it preserves all of that right all of the, the it preserves the core of what is D, and there's elves and fighters and dragons and stuff right like the that is and everything. But it simplifies the experience while still allowing you to, to uh, get in and for higher complexity players to still have lots of different things they can explore and try. Famously, if we stuck just in the 80s, the example that went even farther than that, Rollmaster. Okay, right? yeah. Rollmaster. Okay. So in that time period, Rollmaster was really, really niche because it was designed for like the super duper people who wanted to like really get into the complexity of everything. Yeah, right? it's so you it's, just a lot, it's
1: a lot like you know every everyone likes likes cars to some extent, but there are some people who really like cars and like to get under the hoods and get you know into the into the mechanics of it.
0: Absolutely, yes, and and this is all over the place, by the way. This this kind of concept mm-hmm. in and, and there's nothing wrong. I, I want to be real, real super clear about what I'm saying here. There's absolutely nothing wrong with designing a game with a high level of complexity or something like that. That's not bad. It's simply limiting. It's naturally limiting because you will shrink your audience, right? You're the persona of people that are willing to invest that amount of time is simply smaller.
1: Right, so it's re- it's just really important when you're designing something to know. You ha- like, you have to really know what your target is. Correct. Because if you don't, you're going to be all over the place, and you're going to miss, and people just aren't going to play your game.
0: Right. The, the, your sort of worst case is when it seems to be really simple but actually has a lot of complexity, mm. and so people think that it's going to be fun, and then as they start playing Yeah, it's it, like when, it I, I, like when I first picked
1: up um, GURPS when I was a kid, and right. I was like, oh, well, this is a generic universal role-playing system. This is probably an easy system. No. Right. No, there's a lot
0: going on there. That's a great example. It's a great example.
1: Um, so so if you're if you're going to design something <clears throat> like uh, like well, I guess the White Wolf games, which are storyteller games, mm-hmm. um, you probably you probably don't want to put so much crunch in front loaded that it will
0: turn off those people who are just there to kind of larp their way through it, right? Right. And that's why I say it's persona as much as age, because it's not just like one slider that is simple to complex, right? It's how much are you having a narrative focus? How much are you having a a, a focus like a, a combat slash numbers, you know, mm-hmm. character list building focus, whatever? And again, this this manifests differently in different games. Obviously, in recent years, we've seen the explosion of the of card games, but not collectible card games, mm-hmm. right? So, um, this is, this is the apples to apples, uh, syndrome. It's right?
1: actually strange. Cause there, I mean, there really are a lot of card games, even in like the, the, the gaming genre,
0: like, um, like video game genres now too. Like they're all over the place in video games as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, apples to apples came out. It had this really simple paradigm. It had huge mass market appeal cause it was fun and kind of adapted to the group. Yeah. And then on its heels, you had cards against humanity which showed that you could do sort of the adult version of the thing, right? And instantaneously that exploded. market yeah. exploded. There's there's just so many versions of that now. Right. Yep. They discovered a genre of card games. Even right. You know. Right. Absolutely. And some of those are designed to be much more adult themed. Some of them are designed to be much more broadly appealing, right? And but they all tend to fall pretty low on the simplicity curve because they are meant to be picked up. You read the rules on like, you know, a, a four page leaflet that's the size of, you know, that's two inches by three mm-hmm. inches and you understand how to play it. And you can now play it for a couple hours. But yeah, yeah. Right. And that's the level it's at. Right, it's you not magic up- at gathering.
1: It's not something that you master right. time. It's just something you get into, have some fun with and then kind of
0: set it aside like a mobile game. Absolutely. Absolutely, yes. It is the the what, Candy Crush. That was a thing, right? right. People yeah. played that well, years ago. That was ago. a
1: thing. Certainly.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. But it's that it's that style of of thing. Uh, and I think this is really important because I think that as a designer, let me. I want to. I want to dig in on a pitfall for a moment. Okay.
1: Wow, pitfall, man! From the for the Atari 2600. Correct. Not bad. One of the yes. better games for that system, actually.
0: It was fun. Absolutely. Yeah, I wasted a lot of time falling in little pits. Uh, the, the thing I want to want to get into here is where a lot of people go wrong, especially newer game designers, and don't think this through, is when it comes time to determine abstraction versus minutia. And I know you know this well. Okay. But let me give you a very simple example, Trav. All right? Let's do it. How, what damage do you take if you fall?
1: Ah. Uh... I mean, oh, that's tough. Depends on the game. Sure. Uh, it really does. It depends on the game. That's like, exactly right. Um, some games will have literal hard like numbers. Like, even if you fall from orbit,
0: sure. Okay, sure. you'll yeah, know yeah.
1: exactly how many D6 of damage you're going to take.
0: Right.
1: Um, and then some games are just, like, uh, more more kind of out there, uh, narrative in focus, where you're just like, okay, I mean, you, dude, you just fell off a cliff. There's not a very good chance you're going to survive, Right. Right. So so may, may, maybe maybe I'll give you a percentage chance and you roll a percentage just because I want want to say that because it's not in the rule. So I'm just saying that, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yes. Mean, you just make it up on the fly because things think you
0: can't you can't make a rule for everything unless you can. Well, and that's exactly my point where a lot of people go wrong is in the realism versus abstraction thing. And this is where the complexity curve creeps right up. And they and they they rule themselves out of their target market by trying to be, quote, unquote, Realistic, mm-hmm. right? When you want to have, do your weapons degrade? I don't know. Maybe does your armor degrade? I don't know. Maybe do you track your food and water? I don't know. Maybe do injuries cause permanent damage? Can you break legs and limbs? What happens if your lung gets punctured? What mm-hmm. happens if you fall from a great height? Well, how high? Do you break your legs then? What's the serious injury? How long does it take to heal? What does the recovery look like? Is there surgery? What ha- You know what I mean? And on and on and on and on and on and and the minutia amongst minutia. You wanna pull an item out of your backpack. Well, where's the item kept in your backpack? How long does it take to get to each pocket? How many other things do you have in there, right? If if we really wanna get into the, the realm of realism, there are some games top. I know you and I have read where people just way overcomplicate this kind of crap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? like swimming
1: rules mm-hmm. in a game where you have no
0: no boats or any water, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's yes. no
1: boats, no water on this planet, but here's some swimming rules for you, okay? Here's
0: three pages of rules on how to swim.
1: Yes. All right. Well, thanks, author, but that that's not helping me.
0: You know, right. like I don't, I don't, I don't really need
1: that. But I appreciate that you put some work into it.
0: Yeah. This, that, like, the classic example that comes to mind for me is you and I played riffs for a long time,
1: mm-hmm. and you
0: remember the big martial arts table of the different martial arts maneuvers you could do. There were a bunch. Yeah. Just, just it seemed like dozens upon dozens of them that just. I, I
1: think I saw one used one time in one game.
0: Right. Exactly. One time. There's just. Ever. No point to that being in the book because <laughs> this is a world where people wear mega damage armor and have plasma guns. I'm not gonna try to do some little little backflip kick that can Right. Like you're not doing the train kick no Danielson and negative their initiative slightly and then they're gonna turn around and shoot me with a laser cannon. Like that's not
1: that's yeah. not how it works, right? Yeah, there's so, a lot of funny stuff like that out there. Really, like as far as that goes, the, the advice I would always give is something something along the lines of design the rules that you need and then give give the game the freedom to design around that as they play. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, and I'll, biggest, always try to design the rules you need, and that's the best way to, to, to help you on your path towards finding the lowest common denominator for, your, for the game you're making.
0: Yes. And, and and I think that's exactly what I'm trying to say. Like, when you when you get yourself into one of those rabbit holes, what happens is you're well, no— are we going to roll
1: dice to see how far down the rabbit hole we
0: went? I mean, there's a rule <laughs> exactly. for that. You stop designing to the lowest common denominator because if you're trying to write a D&D-esque game, i.e. Mm-hmm. you want a pretty—like, you want a role-playing game that's going to have some kind of mass market appeal. Mm-hmm. Right? Let's just say that's your goal. And then you start doing all this stuff because— that's realistic. You would lost it. You lost the thread right away. Okay. Now,
1: there's, there's a no sp- hard rules here, though. There's no hard rules on this because, I mean, you could be, uh, you you could be right. And like you know, in in one in that one game that I was talking about, where, where there's swimming rules, where there's no swimming involved, like Dungeons and Dragons does need like adventuring things to happen, like swimming and climbing and jumping and swinging and oh whatever, sure you now. So those are important things to
0: design into your game. So it's it's just a fine line. Oh yes, absolutely. And and you know D and D swimming rules take up about a paragraph, and they're pretty easy. Like here's how you swim. You make this check. Here's what happens if you're underwater too long. It's good design, honestly. Yeah, that's it's really it. good design. And and abstracted and easy. Uh, and then like checks may be more difficult if the water you're swimming in is you know choppy or rough. Okay, cool, great, done. Yep, I would assume so. Okay. Wonderful. Right,
1: right. But how does underwater demolitions work in rifts? <laughs> it's a skill in the book, okay? I understand. It's a skill in the main book. How does it work? I don't know. I still don't know. To this day, I don't know how underwater demolitions work. I played characters that practiced underwater demolitions, but I still don't know how to do it. How does it's, it work in that true. game?
0: We specifically trained in it, did it, built up built a pool in a character. Like we had a base where we you you and I literally built a pool. Just to practice underwater demolitions.
1: Still to this day, no, no, don't mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't think we ever twist. used it. No. Nope. Thanks, now, Rifts.
0: <laughs> but that's, that's the story of Rift skills, more or less. It
1: is. Now, so, there's a
0: dark side to this as well. That's side. what I was going to talk about earlier, yes. Because one of the other ways that this can manifest mm. is people who try to Write Rules to Prevent Bad Behavior, the uh, Other Face of the Designing to the Lowest Common Denominator Coin.
1: You have to be more specific on this because I, I, I don't have I, – I tend to not have that that kind of gene in my makeup. Mm-hmm. So explain it to me. Sure. I know it exists. This the, What you're just what you're talking about exists. I just can't think of anything right now.
0: Sure. So oftentimes in games we can have bad actors, right? right. People who aren't playing within sort of the spirit of the game, right?
1: That's probably the most important word there. Yeah, the spirit of the game.
0: Right. And so sometimes what games will do is they'll try to cover every corner case to stop both the players and, in the case of a a role-playing game, even the game master Mm -hmm. from taking bad actions, right?
1: Right. Don't like, don't play the game that way. Play it this way. <laughs> I
0: got yes. You. Exactly. And fourth edition was very much designed like this. Fourth edition mm-hmm. Dungeons and Dragons. Right. Where it, it tried to put everything onto these rails. Right. They designed the way the rules for the GM and the PCs worked on these tight rails to the lowest common denominator to make sure that that bad person could not misbehave. Right. Uh, Basically, basically, in a way, punishing everyone. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. For for
1: that one bad actor's possible
0: use of the rules. Yes. Because they said, and I'll I'll give you easy examples. They said, this is how magic items work, Mm -hmm. period. And at this level, you should have this magic item, right? You should have a plus one sword, and a plus two sword, and a plus three sword, and a plus one armor, and a plus two armor, and a plus three armor, and and on and on and on at this level, that's what the game expects. You it's as the GM boring magic. are supposed to give out this magic item here and here and here. Now, it doesn't have to be exact, right, yeah. obviously. It but
1: otherwise, like- if you didn't have that, the, the guy, the guy who, who does know the system would do that anyways, and no one else would be able to keep up.
0: Right, right. So what it's trying to do is set everything to these very hard expectations, mm-hmm. right? An encounter looks like this. This is an easy, this is a medium, this is a hard. This is how you build it. This is the creature you use. This is what's legal. Anything else is out of bounds. Right. And 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 some people might take umbridge who are listening with my my definition of this. And I, I will admit I'm using I'm being a bit hyperbolic, of course. Yeah, all, hyperbolic
1: all... and broad, but but it's broad strokes. Like we're not, yeah, you're not trying to, you know, sh- Yes. Just completely wreck D and D here. You're just saying this this is one of the things that bothered you.
0: Right, correct. That it was, it was more to that point. And I think that there, here's where we have to draw some kind of line between competitive games, Magic or Warhammer or something like that, and collaborative games, right? Hmm. I find that in collaborative games, designing to the lowest common denominator in this method, where you're, uh, where you're taking pretty aggressive actions— to try to stop people from misbehaving is almost universally a completely wasted effort. <laughs> okay. Because It's a very
1: murky area for me. Um because first first we have to remember that we are creating a game and games have rules that are meant to make a like th- that's fun, okay? The, the, sure. It's it's there there's there's role playing game, all right? Yep. So there has to be a game section. There has to be a game portion for it to be a role-playing game. Otherwise, it's just
0: role-playing. Agreed. And um, games need rules and limits. Agreed. And
1: ga- games need rules and limits. Um, and those rules and limits create some structure for, with, for which we, we build upon with that then collaborative spirit that we're talking about, right? Yes. Um, in essence, those games always have to have some kind of competitive element that is a game, right? Like games a game is a competition right It has it has a some kind of win condition and a lose condition
0: agreed, agreed. A, Of some
1: kind like it, that now, now the, the difference is role-playing games the win condition is usually fun, right That's the win condition having fun right um, it's completely agreed <clears throat> which muddies everything and it makes it very difficult to find this point that you're talking about.
0: Sure. Because one person. Is it a competition
1: person's... or is it a collaboration? Is it a collaborative competition? What is it?
0: Right. And, now, and I've heard you describe fun. Warhammer
1: to me before, and Warhammer, <laughs> the, the, the 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 game, like the like the big armies game that you make miniatures for and stuff and play. Yes. Seems like it's a, a collaborative competition. Okay. It's it's the, the actual living embodiment of this thing.
0: Yes. And that's the. I think in in competitive games you have to take more effort and care about this because when things are sort of directly competitive i.e. magic or you know whatever you can pick your poison right people will in general seek exploits that are still within the bounds of the rules and taking
1: infinite turns you know all kinds of crazy stuff you can do in those kinds of games yeah
0: sure and there's not a neutral arbiter there to say whoa 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 right that's that's just stupid no we're not going to do that put that away right whereas in a in a collaborative game especially one with some kind of judge right i.e a gm or somebody like that if if somebody steps out of bounds in some way you can just be like look that's not cool let's let's work together and figure out a better way to do this right right and don't be so a dick. I, Yes, I think that what I'm saying is that I think that you can get away without writing every example of how not to be a jerk, Mm -hmm. right, into your rules. Because especially if you've got a judged type game or if it's just a collaborative, fun sort of thing, you can, you know, then then you've got. It seems like it's already there. It seems like
1: the rule already exists because you have an arbiter. Yes, exactly. like the arbiter is the rule, so you don't need all that other extraneous stuff to try and lock people in. You can just trust that the arbiter, who you have, you know, you, you've ordained this person as the arbiter, um, can deal with this situation, right? Like that's another good way to to deal with with building it to the, the lowest common denominator is trusting that a game with arbitration, there's an arbiter who will do those things for you.
0: Right. Uh, exactly. You know, it's funny. I, I just as we're as we're bringing this sort of thought to a close, I want to share a little story about a game without something that that sort of blocking this off, where I okay. was the where I was the bad actor in a, in the most fun Uh-oh. way possible. So uh, I have a a friend who was a big fan of this little simple card game that's been around forever. Again, not a collectible card game, just a card game. Okay. Uh, called Pit. P I T. Uh, all right. Okay. And it's it's a very old card game like Uno type of card game, right? And the idea of Pit is you have a deck of cards and they have um, they have like stock trade things on them, like wheat and corn and oil and sure, U- yeah, you get what I mean right? Like the stuff they did in trading places mm-hmm. <laughs> right yeah. Yeah.
1: All right.
0: And that's literally what the game is meant to be. So So,
1: trading commodities and stuff. I mean, yes,
0: to trade commodities. Exactly. So what happens is you take the deck, you divide it up with a certain number of, of each resource card based on the number of players, each commodity card. Then you shuffle them all, randomize it and you deal everybody a certain number of cards. And then literally it's like, you're in the pit of a stock trading floor, right? Mm -hmm. Because you just literally go, you're trying to build a hand. You're trying to corner a market. So you're trying to get all the wheat. You look at your initial hand, you see you got two wheats, and you've got four non-wheats. And you're like, okay, I need to get to six wheats. Six wheats, a full wheat, a Will Wheaton. A Will Wheaton of wheat. And so you literally just, like, grab your cards and say, I need two. I need two. Who's got two? Somebody give me two. Give me two. Give me two. I need two. And then somebody else at the table pass you two cards. Now, obviously, if you take all four of your cards at the beginning— you'll sit there longer waiting for a trade because somebody else might not have like four out of six cards to give you, right? So you want to just be like rapid fire, just like right. a, a sort of old old trading floor, right? Just passing yep. stuff back and forth. So we were playing a game of pit. We played a game of pit and it went with however it went. And then I thought about it and I was like, huh? And I did some quick math. And then we went for another round because it's a really fast game. I mean, it takes like 10 minutes, right? And We went for another round and I said, I need two, I need two, and I got mine, and I was like, I need one, I got mine, and you know, you're trading off, you're handing away one and taking one. I need one, yeah. I need one, I need one. And I was going for a different strategy this time around. Were, okay? were you trying to just get one of each or something? Like yes. shut them down. I went A oh, no! data strategy, right? You're so, such
1: a <laughs> dastardly villain.
0: I that realized wrong, brother. Mathematically, that if I held one of each,
1: yeah, you're gonna no shut them down
0: could corner any market, and the game would go on forever. Oh, no. Oh, no.
1: And there's no Arbiter, right?
0: There's no Arbiter. So everybody just kept trading, but nobody was getting... Nobody was cornering a market, and they couldn't figure out why. Everybody was just like, what is this working? And then finally I was like, because I'm ruining it all.
1: (laughs) You won the market. Yeah. That is that's evil. That's evil. Kudos well, my friend.
0: Thank you. And I ruined Pit and we've never played it again since. <laughs> yeah, uh,
1: yeah. I guess I guess the the creators of Pit didn't take didn't take the worst actor into consideration. Mm-hmm. Um, someone who doesn't actually want to win the game.
0: <laughs> right. It's it's the data strategy from that fifth dimensional chess mm. episode. That's what yeah. 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 Can't win, play to stalemate. There you go. Uh, so anyway, that's designing to so the are, uh, so are
1: you saying? So are you saying that that's a good, like, is that a good game
0: design or is that a bad game design? Did they I'm fail? I think that's a bad one because they should have thought about that sort of situation. That situation, like a stalemate scenario in a game that just could go on forever. Right. right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they should have had a market flush function mm-hmm. or something, right? Mm-hmm. Where if if nobody's gotten it after X amount of, time, amount of time, yeah, yeah. all the cards go back in the middle and are reshuffled or something happens. Exactly. You know, right. my mind went, yep. Yep. We should have made that game. What's going on? There you go. So.
1: So we okay. So we've been talking about designing to the lowest common denominator for way too long. So <laughs> I think like re- really we're just we're just we're just saying make sure that you know what that what that is. Yes. And understand that it's going to have consequences. Yes. Um. No matter which which way you go with it, and try your
0: best to tailor it to your audience. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Exactly. Know the personas of the people and make sure that you're – designing accordingly, right? And when you're doing so, you t- you need to take bad faith actors into account to a point. But again, mm-hmm. don't overweight your game with that kind of stuff because you will do the same thing. When you try to back in a hundred rules for the one corner case, all you're doing is adding a bunch of unnecessary complexity to the game. Mm-hmm.
1: Complexity right? and restriction that's going to make the rest of the people who you were trying to work for not like your game. So that's... Designing the lowest common denominator, undesigned.
0: Undesigned. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening, everybody. Go ahead and give this a review or a rating on iTunes. We certainly would appreciate that. That's awesome. It probably helps somehow. So that's great. Uh, you can, of course, uh, check out everything else I do, mostly Warhammer related, on YouTube under my name, Vincent Ventorella. But uh, as always, I do appreciate you listening to this one, and we'll talk at you next time. チャンネル登録をお願いいたします。